this is the evening show here, episode 148. We don't normally do two shows in one day, but uh, but it it, it 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 made sense this week because there's four headliners here working at Acme. This is Justin Severson, the host of No Laugh Track Podcast. Thank you to Circle of Heat for letting us play your music. I just spoke with uh, Andy Smith and Tim Slagle, and now I am here with the other two people working Crash and Burn this week, and it is Kostaki Konimopoulos, my old pal. It's hey. great to see you, Kostaki. Thanks, man. Good to be back. And a first-timer here on No Laugh Track, and we just met just moments ago, Ross Bennett. Hello. Hello. Thanks for coming down. It's uh, my pleasure. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure you were telling everyone. How That's a good default. <laughs> My pleasure. Yes, absolutely. Uh, this is how I started the last one, so I'm curious. Uh, you two, do you know each other before today? Uh, we've met each other. Okay. But uh, this is the first time we've ever actually hung out or done anything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so technically we knew each other, but we most, mostly know of each other. Okay. I once did Bob and Tom while he did a call-in. Oh, and uh, uh, that's really the, the the most I ever got out of him. By the way, <laughs> by the way, I called them today yeah. and, and talked about this whole crazy process we're going through, and they said to say hi to you. They were oh. like, "Hey, Ross." They're very nice. They're very nice gentlemen. Yeah, they're good folks. Look at that. So let's uh, let's let's go over. We're doing crash and burn. And uh, have either of you, well, the, for people who don't know, or for some reason skipped the episode before this, these guys got to put 20 minutes of new material together. Yeah, it's crazy. By, by the end of the week. So you're I, working on it. Let's start it last night, Tuesday. It was awesome. Uh, by the way, I had met Crash and Burn, but I'd never hung out with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I had heard about it for, you know, a couple years. Yeah. And I talked to Slagle about it, and I was like, I want to do this sometime. And he was like, really? Okay, yeah, yeah, well, you know, so I'm thrilled. I loved it. I wish all comedy was so warm and good at supporting you in the process. This is a real, real gift from the comedy gods, I'd say. Yeah? Yeah, it's Tim, great. Tim was saying that uh, three of the four last night... Uh, wanted to go longer than the 20 minutes and then he said of course he was the fourth that <laughs> was struggling would you take it as that as well no he, he did great he didn't struggle. Well, how, about did your, great. how about yourself you wanted uh, to do well, more no, all, all i did was i got to the point where i only had done about uh eight of my 10 pages that i've been working on and the light came on oh. and i said is that uh, uh five minutes and they go no that's it that's it and so um and then I said something very witty. I told the people uh, that the two pages I didn't do uh, was actually my best material. <laughs> and then, Should have then showed I, up on Wednesday. And I ducked off through the through the curtain. <laughs> have you? Have either of you? Well, let's start with you, Ross. Have you ever done anything like this before? The being forced to put together new material in front of a crowd. Um, it. <sighs> I may have done it myself a few times, but you know, never uh, an external uh, kind of a thing. But I was telling uh, Kostki here that I, um, uh, when I first started out, I was in Los Angeles at the Comedy Store, and I got to see uh, uh, Richard Pryor put together one of his concert films. Really, and it was over the course of four months, and he started out with no material. He started out on stage, unfunny uncomfortable just throwing around some ideas and i got to see him take it from that to like having an hour and 15 minutes of you know world-class material wow and uh so that's always been in the back of my mind and that's sort of what i'm thinking about with this yeah you know but my material is much more formed uh than his was I, I mean i think it's partly because you just don't first off he's a genius and uh, uh second off um uh you only have essentially what we have any shows we have seven shows so there's there, you know there's there's a certain organic nature to what we're doing, but I I had to really prep and you know get get material there. Yeah, yeah. I just couldn't I just couldn't be without something. Sure, sure. Wow, Richard, Pry that's amazing. Yeah, that's a great story. Isn't that great? Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> wow, <clears throat> that's that makes it hopeful, you know, to know that these guys really like dig in and do the work, and you can see some of the big shots in the city doing that. In modern era, Gaffigan yeah, comes yeah, in yeah. and flounders around, and Chris Rock reads jokes to you. And Jim Norton. Yeah, those guys are you know, working on the craft. And the real guy, you know, and then these stars, like you say, like like Chris Rock, Jerry Seinfeld, um, whenever they come in, 
they always have a purpose. They're never just, you know, jerking around with, you know, they're, they're never up there for the, really for their own ego. They're always using that space. You know, the, when they use their power to slide in and do, you know, push everybody aside, sure. they got a purpose. They have a reason. Yeah. 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 I saw Jerry do that one night. Yeah. It's great. You saw it or you experienced it? I was on it? the show. I went on like three guys later. Oh, okay. It was a powerful moment. It was at the, it was at Stand Up New York. I'll keep it brief, but he, at the time, it's they fixed it up a little since then. But anyway, at the time, there's a holding bar out front, and I was the only one in it. There were like 17 people or something in the audience, and I was kind of pacing, thinking about what I was going to do. <clears throat> and Jerry just walks through the door, and the two of us are standing in this small space together. And I go, hi, Jerry. Are you going to tell some jokes for us? He said, I think I will. <laughs> and then he went on to work on some jokes that he did, ended up doing uh, as an Academy Award presenter, he did, he did a series of movie jokes. Yeah, wow. And so he was working on that. It was really cool because he, the MC goes, ladies and gentlemen, this is one of the magical things about New York City. You never know when this is going to happen. Jerry Seinfeld, and not one person clapped because what? nobody thought it was true. Oh, okay. It's like jaded New Yorkers, like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so he turns the corner and they see him walking on the stage and it... It was the most amazing, like, energy transition you'd ever seen. It, was, it went from fuck you to holy shit. Mm -hmm. And people stood up and were, like, cheering and, like, pumping their fists. It yeah. was really fascinating. That's awesome. So and, have you done anything like this before? Like, uh... um, The only thing, like, well, in a way, I've, I've trained for it a little bit indirectly because sometimes when I'm in front of Bob and Tom crowds, I can run my, the jokes for the segment with them. And so it's kind of similar in that it's a little island of like seven minutes where I'm reading them jokes that are brand new. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of what this is. So I have some experience with that. <clears throat> of course, it's easier there because they already like me and I've already done well for a half an hour sure. you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to come out cold and just like go, hey, this is a thing I hope is interesting. You know, it's no. really scary. Uh, the closest thing to this you can see <clears throat> is in Jerry Seinfeld's movie Comedian, he was actually doing that. He was going up with no act, with the commitment to only work on new material. And you get to actually see that's sort of what this is. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's very similar to that process. By now, the way, when I went on after Jerry, not right after him, but it was like 20 minutes later, yeah. I said, uh, uh, my old dream was to get a standing ovation when I was introduced, but now what I want is for nobody to clap at all because no one believes that I would work a dump like this. <laughs> and it got a big laugh because we've all watched this weird thing happen. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah that's one of the, the things about you know doing this thing is that uh, you know, how many guys are the, the men and women who do this? Maybe 5,000, 10,000 have, have these skills. And, but they range anywhere from Jerry Seinfeld being worth three quarters of a billion dollars. And, you know, a guy who's just doing an open mic or whatever. And, but when you finally get up in front of the, the audience, you're still doing the same skills. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's the, right. you're essentially doing... Uh, the, the same thing, and you know, and that's why, and that's why at the clubs, when someone like Jerry comes in, he's you really get the feeling he's just another comic. Yeah, you know, it's it's a it's a, a brotherhood that is. Uh, as time goes on, I I, I love it even yeah. more. Oh, I always. agree. And there's something it. beautiful that happens that. with those guys that are really working on it in that way. <clears throat> Very often, they do less well than the other guys on the show because the other guys are doing their A stuff, and these yeah. guys are working on stuff, and they're able to take that ego hit and still be compelling and do their homework. I mean, that's it's inspiring. That is inspiring. That's a real message to the rest of us to you know keep working hard instead mm -hmm. of you know mm -hmm. doing the show, which is the hard. It's a hard battle for me. Tom, here's something that I, I got this uh, book on tape of. Um, on Johnny Carson by his old uh, lawyer, uh, Bombastic Bushkin, Henry Bushkin, right? Okay. And he was talking about being like at an Academy Award thing, and they're backstage, and they're in like the green room, and Johnny Carson is there, and Bob Hope comes in. Huh. Okay? And so Bob Hope comes over and gives Johnny Carson a couple of jokes, you know, and then his Bush, Bushkin said when Bob Hope went away, uh, Carson was going, what the, what the fuck? Who do, he doesn't think I have my own fucking jokes? You know? <laughs> yeah. Who does he think? You know, right. and, and it's even a more 
a competitive, ego-driven environment because, you know, a lot of us, we, we help each other. We throw, we throw out ideas, and, you know, and even if you don't want their idea, we're at least willing to listen and, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, some guys are like, really, I only want to say things that I wrote. Um, but he was like, really, you know, how fuck you does he think he is? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, it's so funny. I, cause I grew up in an era when Bob Hope was a little bit of a punchline, you know? A little bit. Right. Okay. Fair enough. But I, I kind of, I know it a little bit from kind of doing a little homework, but I never saw the sort of, he was a, an absolute monster at his craft phase. No, it was more of the... Just those specials where Brooke Shields would come out. Yeah, he was reading cue cards badly at like yeah. college football something. Yeah, yeah. Right? Uh-huh. You listen, I, I listen to old time radio on XM. Uh, there's a, an old time radio show, uh, old time radio network. And when you listen to his old t- uh, radio show, this guy was so on top of it. You have to imagine coming out and he's firing stuff off. So, I mean, he's like, you know, bang, 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 topical jokes. And he's doing. 10, 15 minutes per show of new material. And, and, and that's how bright he had to be to hold that stuff in his, in his head and to get it all out. I can't. We're up there. I'm up there with, with sheets of reams of paper. <laughs> yeah, you know? me too. And I go, here's something, uh, here's something might be kind of good. Right. When's the last time you had paper up on stage with you? Uh, I had diarrhea. And there you go. That's a funny joke. Huh? <laughs> Thankfully, at Acme here, the the bathroom for the uh, I'll be the right talent back. is very close. Very I'll close. be right back. <laughs> um, well, there's different times, you know. Although tonight, last night, but when it was all finishing up, I'm thinking it was like it was like four different Janine Garofalo's on stage. That's funny. I thought that you know, too. Because that's really that funny. Whole to hear alternative you scene that the, you know she would always be up on stage with her with her notebook. Oh sure, you okay. know, yeah. desperately. Desperately trying to not be funny. You know? <laughs> well, it's, it's it's that dichotomy that, that they're, they're, she's trying to not be funny, and yet she's looking for the things she's saying that aren't that is not intended to be funny that gets a laugh. That's the, the the essence of it. Is you know there is stuff in here that I don't intend to have be funny that will get laughs, and that's what you know becomes. Her, her act. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, she was very good at it, too. I'm not, I'm not putting it, I'm not really putting it, I'm mocking it mildly, but it, she, she always made me laugh. <laughs> How about you, Kostaki? When was the last time you had a notepad up on stage? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, like I say, I, I've kind of fallen into uh, a comfortable zone of I'm often in front of crowds that at least like me a little bit before yeah. I start. And in those situations, they're interested in the process of me working on the radio segment because they know me from the radio. Yeah. So I do have a little bit of experience of whipping my phone out and reading them 30 football jokes, you know, and then I put the phone away and go back to the show. But those are kind of these little islands of me doing the work, you know, and the best thing about an audience is, I mean, for me, when I'm, I'm like the little producer of my own little segment, the key to the whole operation is cutting out the bottom 30%. Okay, yeah. When you trim out the stuff that absolutely blows, then even when you don't hit every single one of them, it can still be cobbled together and have a pretty nice sort of swing to it. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of tried to use the same approach here. And also last night, one of my goals was which four or five of these sort of premises out of this 20 minutes of mishmash has like lightning level resonance so I can go back and build around that and then let some of these other things that, you know, sometimes you're, it's so weird to me. I said it on stage last night and it's true. It's after 25, 20 plus years of doing this, I still don't know what good is until I get it in front of them. And I was literally like reading some stuff and in the middle of it, I'm like, well, this is fucking terrible. Like you can't know until you're in the middle of it sometimes. Yeah. So it's such an, I feel it's indulgent. It's such a great process for us. I wish I could do this once a quarter, every year, every, I wish this was a regular part of my life. I already love it. Wow. One day in. At this point in my career, I, it, it, uh, Mm. this is very unusual for me Mm -hmm. because my, you know, my, uh, real days in the comedy clubs, although I still work a few comedy clubs, you know, I, I was really, you know, headlining all through the 80s when the clubs were all on the way up and the boom was happening. And uh, uh, now I'm a little bit older. And so a lot of the work I do is really mainstream audiences that do not 
give a fuck about your process yeah, right. whatsoever. <laughs> the last thing they want is, you know, they're paying you to, you know, to see it after you've worked the shit out. They, right, do, right. they do not care about how you get to where you are. And uh, uh, so this, this is a, a, a real treat for me. This is a luxury. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, even even with a crowd that likes you, it's a little weird to be reading them jokes, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, but this I, this environment is safe enough, and it's kind of encouraged that you really they know that you're literally saying stuff you've never said. And yeah. They get it. They're they're empathetic. About now that being said, <laughs> uh, two weeks ago, I was at the Friars Club, and uh, I have a friend whose wife is a writer, and she had written a book. And uh, they were having a book signing for her at the Friars Club. And they asked a couple of us to come up and speak. So I went up. And so I wrote something that was just for that evening. Okay. And I did have about six pages of, of notes with me. Yeah. And uh, uh, but that was they knew that it was a similar similar to this and that they knew it was. Yeah. It was fresh. You can't do these anywhere else. That's right. Right. That was a, that was a one off. Yeah. That stuff was one time. Right. Gone. All right. Uh, you brought up the Friars Club. I, describe the Friars Club. What? What is? There's an um, actual building that is called know, the Friars Club. Yeah. I mean, that's a really dumb. You know, question. I want you to close your eyes and imagine really, really old uh, Jewish people. <laughs> okay. Now. Okay. Imagine their parents. <laughs> <laughs> and um, this funny. is the place they all get together. <laughs> No, it's uh, uh, it's still you know you have to understand New York in its heyday in its uh, 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 I would say its heyday of um, a community <laughs> they would they would break up uh, there, there were dozens and dozens of these private clubs that people would 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 organize around and that's where they got their social communities from okay. and they were around different you know sometimes it was Harvard club they all went to Harvard sometimes it was social clubs or, or some of them were around entertainment some of them around other things uh, the Lambs Club there's a bunch of them and the Friars Club uh, revolved around show business okay. and it started in the, in the, after the, the around 1900 or so something like that and uh, so in its heyday when New York was the center of show business. You know, we're talking about in the 30s, 40s, 50s. You know, that place, I would never have been a member. They would have never had me be a member. Mm, okay. You know, it's only because uh, it's, it's sort of felt fallen out of fashion. Not a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of radio stars. There's not a lot of TV stars in New York. And the ones who are stars, they don't get together and hang out anymore. Okay. You, know, you have to imagine a day when... You know, people like Jack Benny and George Burns and Milton Berle, they would, you know, they would socialize together at lunch. Yeah. In the afternoon. TMZ but I mean, he wasn't following him. But, around but some, that's right. Exactly. it. But you're not going to David Letterman's not going to go out to a place where he's going to get swamped. Right. You know, Jerry Sign, they're, they're just not going to do that. Yeah. The celebrity has become so uh, uh, insulating that that doesn't seem. But there are some, you know. Lisa Lampanelli's there a lot. Uh, 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 Jeff Ross is, you know, very, very much a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. But so you're there for, I mean, how often is that a place that you're visiting? Maybe once or twice a month. Oh, that often? You know, I go, no, I don't go there to perform. I, I, if they ask me to perform, I perform. But I go there, if I'm in New York City and I'm doing a, a gig someplace or a spot, I'll try and work it around my schedule, go in and have a steam and uh, uh, have lunch once in a while. Have, have a steam, steam. <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> like, mean, like, there's a steam room that uh, oh God, Jackie yes. Gleason used, or back, you I know? don't know if Jackie Gleason was ever a member, but uh, 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 I'm the, certain that I'm certain that Milton Berle's cock <laughs> dug a trench across the floor <laughs> as he was walking to to go sit down. <laughs> He's gonna have one of the largest. Have I think we're gonna have large, lunch after this. Very right? large, uh, <laughs> very large <Apparatus>. penis. Yeah. <laughs> We'll go there sometime. I'll take you sometime uh, when you're in New York. I would love that. I've been a couple times. I, I find it to be. It's. By the way, he did. You know the steam room? No, I didn't. I've never been to the steam room. I did. It is beautiful. It's a beautiful place. It's almost like a. It's almost like an old haunted house. It's just filled with character. It's not almost like an old haunted house. <laughs> it is off of Madison Avenue in the '50s, uh, in a neighborhood that's now all. Uh, department stores, you know, it's very much a part of, you know, uh, um, 
but at, at, back a hundred years ago, this is where all the rich people lived. Okay, right. So this is one of this is probably one of the only remaining mansions. Which from really, that it's era. dripping with character. It's a cool yeah. place. Yeah, yeah. There's one of those. Uh, there's like a you know, club, private club downtown yeah. Minneapolis that. When you walk by, it's like, how the hell is this still here? Oh, right. Yeah. How is this here? Yeah, yeah. There's it has skyscrapers right. on every right next door, across the street, over that way, and then there's just this old ass building. Yeah. Where it's gated, and I'll probably never be in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like that. The uh, uh, <laughs> they make snuff films in there now. When I was Possible. in a small town where I grew up, it was all you know. <clears throat> there was the Elks Club, the Moose Club, the Eagles, the American Legion, the VFW. Mm-hmm. You know. And uh, so, I mean, it, it's it's similar kind of a thing. It's just more of a, a, a New York City. Yeah. That's now cool. people play uh, adult softball or join a dart league to spend time away from their family instead of going <laughs> to the Elks Club. <laughs> I've done a few Elks Clubs around the country. They they are, are, they're all right. Yeah. BPOE, some, best people on earth. Some of them are beautiful. Some of them are not. But either way, there's a lot of heart in those places. Yeah. You know? A lot of them have become drinking clubs. Yeah. Right. You know, a lot of them, they, they, you get a, uh, there's things they do, but it all revolves around their bar because they have a different uh, monetary system than the regular bars around town because it's a private club. They don't have the same taxes and stuff like oh, that. Oh, sure, sure. So uh, it really fosters a comfortable environment for uh, fledgling alcoholics. <laughs> You talking about stand-up comedy? A supportive, a supportive <laughs> environment for. Is he talking in code over there? <laughs> I used to. My CDs back in the old days were sold on a website called uh, ComedyHome.com. dot com. Uh-huh. I know. I, I used to do a line in my act when I would promote the show. I would go. I know that sounds like a place where old comics go to die. Now we already have that. It's called the Friars Club. <laughs> <laughs> Ross is just shaking his head in agreement. Yeah, that's nice. That's a really funny line about the imagine the oldest, yeah, their parents. <laughs> the oldest Jews. Aren't, isn't there sort of a revitalization? They're trying to oh, get sure, younger. Oh, sure, sure. I mean, I, you know, we, we make fun of it and everything, yeah, yeah. but they're always bringing in new members. And, uh, you know, they, they do everything they can to try and make it vibrant. And uh, it is a going concern. Yeah. I just have one more question about it. So do you literally have a card in your wallet that says? I don't because they know me. Okay. You know, I suppose they gave me a card at some point, but you know, there's a limit to just how many how many uh, loyalty cards you can carry. Yeah. Right. See, so here's my Safeway. <laughs> yes. Here's my Kroger. Here's my Friars Club. <laughs> That's right. It doesn't get you a discount on groceries. the Friars Club card. Gets you three cents off at uh, yes. the gas station as well. <laughs> I don't know if you know that. Uh, I, I'm fascinated by like you know you're telling the story about back when um, Richard Pryor is recording specials that you got to watch him. Where did you where did you get your start? You know, it's so funny. I was working with uh, the woman who was on before, Andy. Andy, yeah. Uh, and we're doing a radio show this morning. And she goes, whenever I talk to you, I feel like I'm listening to the History Channel. <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. I love this aspect of you. I, I don't know you. This, these are stories are all new to me. I love I, it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, the quick one is I was in the Army, and after I went to West Point, and I resigned from the Academy about halfway through my second year because I wanted to get involved in this, you know, this... It's 1976, 77. Uh, uh, Saturday Night Live has just taken off. S- Steve Martin is the biggest thing in the country. It's like, I've got to be a part of this. So I throw away my military career, and uh, I start doing this. And, and I go to, uh, around 78, I go to Chicago for about nine months. And I, uh, there was a couple of clubs. No, there was no comedy clubs where only could make money. These were just workshops. Okay. Right. And there was two out in the suburbs there. And then in the middle of that time, I went out to San Francisco. I did the third comedy competition, uh, the San Francisco Comedy Competition. There's been like 40 of them now. I did yeah. Like yeah. the third It still goes one. on. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, uh, and then by, uh, December, by January of 79, I was in Los Angeles. And uh, I was 23 years old and just, you know, just going at it. Yeah. So that's, that's really where I got going. You're living in New York now? No. I live outside of Manhattan. I, I can't afford to live in New York. Uh, plus, I'm a road comic, which really means, you know, you need a car. Right. And, you know, I, I mean, it, it would cost me to take care of my car in New York was what I paid for my, my, my apartment. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. New Jersey. Uh-huh. So I live in a little town about 35 miles, maybe 35 minutes uh, 
outside of Manhattan, okay. in New Jersey. Okay. Are you? And where are you? Are you still? Kasaki? I'm in Manhattan you because are... I'm sharing a child right. who lives in Manhattan. Yep. I, I'm kind of trapped. <laughs> are you still just on the block? Yeah, we're on the block. Yeah, it's, yeah. The kids are doing great, and uh, you know. Someday we'll figure it out. <laughs> Biblically, I still think cutting her in half might be the proper solution. Well, I've done, in my act, I have a joke. It's like we, for all the money we spent on the custody battle, we could have had two kids, each gotten one. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> like, here you go. You get this one. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, it's a mixed blessing. I'm trapped in the greatest city in the world. So. Yeah. Yeah. I can't complain too much, but it does hurt my feelings when I write the rent check. Mm. Cripes. Mm. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Uh, how about uh, history here in uh, Minneapolis or in Minnesota, Ross? Have you performed here? I may have had a couple of corporate dates here over the years, but I can't remember those. And um, there was a club here uh, called Knuckleheads yeah. at Mall, Mall of America. America yeah. and, I, and, you know, what happens is... I'm not a star, so some places know about me, some places don't. The people who knew about me, sometimes the manager of one club can change his jobs to another club, and he's familiar with my work. Sure. And so I came to Knuckleheads a couple of times oh, okay. uh, at Mall of America, and uh, that's been it. Okay. That's been it. This, and then this. I've, I've always wanted to come here, uh, but I, you know, it's, it just hasn't happened. And then Tim said, you want to come and do this? Yeah. And uh, so I, I get the back door of this place. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you guys uh, carpooled here together as well. Tim and I did. Yeah. yeah. Was that a good uh, good little road trip? Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, you spend so much time uh, uh, when you're a road comic driving by yourself. Anytime you get an opportunity to do it with somebody else is uh, just a treat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was I was doing a little research on you, of course. Um, I mean, stalking you. <laughs> it's called stalking. Let's just go. And uh, I saw that you have a. Did, you've done some podcasts of your own. I tried to do some. You I tried. Just, I just don't. I don't have this ability to to commit to it. I just don't do this. I don't do you know every time. You know, I tried to do one that was uh, spiritual in nature. O O M G. Oh my gosh. Uh, okay. And was and uh, did about half a dozen of those, and um, and then I did uh, one with my son, uh, uh, Bennett and son. Um, you know, we, we tried different things. My son's very funny. Is he a comic or just um, funny? You know, it, he's got so many of the qualities that, in terms of his sense of humor and everything, but his uh, uh, emotional and mental makeup is so challenging that uh, uh, the process of what it would take for him to be on stage in front of people uh, is, 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 isn't, isn't a good mix for him. Hmm. So that was it? Half dozen and you moved on, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that happens. I was just talking to my fiancé about that, about podcasts. I'm like, yeah, I mean, anybody, if you have a mic and something to record into, you know, anybody can do one, basically. But uh, Which is the beauty and horror of the thing. That's true. <laughs> but I do hear more and more stories uh, of people that have given up. Right, quickly. So. Yeah, you you're still like, going like me. <laughs> like okay, <laughs> like you. You've just heard another story. You've heard, <clears throat> you've heard more and more stories, and you've just heard another story. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got two of them right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yours is still going well. Yeah, mine. Yeah, mine's. Uh, well, depends how you define well. What's nice is that you you're still get knocking to, them out. Yeah, we're still doing them. Yeah, my mom. They're not profitable, but they're a pleasure to do, and you they they help connect you to your audience. I I love them for that reason. It's funny. My mom said uh, she was telling somebody about it, and she jokingly said, um, "You know, well, you'll have to give me a cut of the action." And I was like, well, we're two years in, and we're minus $200. So uh, how big a cut would you like? 10%, you, you owe me 20 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even take a check. <laughs> uh, yeah. but, but, you know, what's beautiful about them is that they really, they're, you know, it does help you connect to your people 
and a suit can't tell you that it's over. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's the reason uh, I didn't want to do one for a while, and somebody talked me into it on that basis. Like, you can you can retain a connection with the people who love what you do, and no corporate characters can end that. Yeah. You, you, other jobs can come and go, and this is your way to sort of have a baseline connection with them. So I, I like it for that reason. Now, you will be performing a Crash and Burn here. Yes. While the NFL draft is going on. <laughs> no, it's so funny. Tim and I were we were debating dates, and we talked a couple times about things, and sort of, you know, I gave him sort of a window that would work for me, and then he nailed down the day, and like the next day they announced when the NFL draft was. And I was like, shit! No! I want to be have one focus. I don't want to be inclined to peer into a television this week. Uh, so I'll try to. I did all my radio about the draft. I'm done with it. Okay. So I don't have any professional obligations. So I can good. I can minimize my time spent. That's good. I'm working on my craft. Not because we should say the quick hits or quick snaps. Quick snaps. Me. Quick snaps. Quick hits. Quick snaps yeah. is the name of the podcast you do. Yeah. And uh, just once. Still do weekly. We do monthly in the off season. Yeah. And weekly in the season. Okay. So yeah, come find us at Quick Snaps. We're uh, it's it's mostly topical NFL jokes, and then there's some guy talk, and there's some other aspects too. It's fun. My my partner is a Giants fan, and I'm a Falcons fan, and we bust each other's balls <laughs> we have the eighth and ninth pick in the draft both of our teams suck lately ah. yeah <laughs> well, vikings have 11 yeah so there right. you go hey your stadium looks good already yeah i drive past it every time i come to acme weekly and uh it, it's amazing i just just yeah two hours ago when i was driving over here i uh there's guys up on the roof i mean that's they look like little ants yes on the roof i just there. saw that yeah. yesterday I, I a i had no idea how far it had come and yeah. b i didn't know it was right here same spot as the dome that's going to be cool. Mm-hmm. That's going to be cool. That's going to be very cool. What do you think of... Um... I was just thinking that the NFL draft uh, could also be called Crash and Burn. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> A lot of those guys do not wash. Yeah, oh, they wash out. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> We could spend a lot of time talking about all the, <laughs> all the failures of the Minnesota Vikings, my team. But, yeah, my team uh, too. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm wearing my Baltimore Orioles hat today. Yes, and the reason I even have this hat is because I think it's cool. I bought it a year ago. It's interesting. It's on fire. <laughs> my hat. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit! Somebody help me out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so obviously, you guys, you know, we all know what's going on in Baltimore. Like uh, two couple days ago, riots and looting and all that crap, and then. They announced that the Baltimore Orioles are playing a game today in front of no one. Yeah. Orioles White Sox are playing at Camden Yards I just heard in that. Baltimore, and they're closing it to the public. Yeah. That's the most... It, and and suppose, uh, what I've read is it's the first time this has ever happened. It's the, actually considered a salute to the Montreal Expos. <laughs> There we go. I give that a round of applause. That was kind of. That's I good immediately writing. started clapping. We're, we need some writers at Quick Snaps. That Come on over. That's really good. I didn't know you could write sports jokes. <laughs> Pull out the Expos. That's a great line. And I think the Nationals are, are celebrating like 20 years now, so that's very good. Uh, that's very good. It's never happened in any sport ever. It's, I don't know. I just it's know such a baseball. fascinating situation. Isn't it? And then they're going to do their weekend games in, uh, let's talk about no crowds in a shitty stadium, uh, Tampa. And they're going to play in Tampa this weekend. Really? As as the home team. Oh, I didn't keep up with any of this. Mm-hmm. This is fascinating. Yeah. Huh. I, Here's I, an interesting sports thing. Uh, uh, the Army-Navy game one year, uh, I think Navy couldn't make it because of the World War II or whatever. There was there was some sort of a transportation <laughs> problem to get the the midshipmen from the from the academy uh, to the to the stadium for the yeah. Army-Navy game. So. The West Point cadets, half of them went over and rooted for Navy to, give, to give them a rooting section. <laughs> wow. Isn't that the most amazing That's thing? That's a beautiful story. Yeah. Andy's right, by the way. You are like the History Channel. <laughs> You're doing I love stories it. from World War II. Don't you love it? I do love I it. I absolutely love it. This is fantastic. I'm so, I didn't know how you guys were going to get, you know, when I talked to, uh, you know, Sarah here about, you know, booking the uh, podcast this week, I didn't. I didn't have any word say in how you guys were matched up, like the two and two. And I, this Neither did we. <laughs> 
could have said no, Rob. Why you? I ought to. <laughs> I think it worked out perfectly. Um, now, so the Orioles will be playing to a crowd of zero. It'll just be on, um, they'll just be, you know, some media members there. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm curious. What, what are the smallest crowds either of you have worked for? Uh, we know, I almost of. went for the joke, but it's true. When you do the auditions for Last Comic Standing, you talk to no audience. Yeah. You're doing stand-up in front of the grip. Oh, I is kind similar. of listening. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. It's so weird. You know, we, we, we've both been comics for a long time. We've talked to two people in four and seven and 19. It, you know, so yeah. much of comedy is that. Yeah. It's not even unusual, really. <laughs> no, I didn't think so. <laughs> I think it's probably the closest thing is when, is after, um, uh, there was a couple of times Letterman did his show with no audience. Oh, really? He did it once after 9-11, and I think he did it once after uh, Sandy came through. That's and right. the town was flooded out. And so he's just on. He's just doing his show. Wow! With no audience. That's right. I do remember the night. And it's an odd. It's an odd thing, you know, because and even he's re, he's realizing that he doesn't have the. Yeah. He's playing tennis by himself. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh huh. Yeah. Bouncing it off the wall. That's weird. Wow. And you've done Letterman. I watched your set on there. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Nice. I snuck that in. <laughs> I got around. Uh huh. It know. worked. It worked. I caught it. It's like on a date when you try and try and bring up, you know, uh, oral sex around the corner. You know, just trying to. <laughs> so that's that how you do it. <laughs> just, you just drop little hints and little things. You know, <laughs> little hints. <laughs> Want to take a nap? You can put your head in my lap. <laughs> well, no, I'm not saying. Okay. <laughs> I always like to know, did uh, did you have it besides a handshake at the end of your set on Letterman? Was there any 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 chatting? Did he chat you up at all? Well, uh, and, and this is not meant to be anything derogatory to any other comedian uh, who's been on before or after me. I just felt uh, it, it, his response at the end was just as, as good as it could be for me because I, I finished my set and I picked all my material by what I thought he would like. I, I tried to choose jokes that I felt were, were uh, smart uh, um, setups, you know, punchlines, things that are coming out of, you know, no you know, really special jokes. Mm-hmm. So he's he's over there and I can hear him laughing, hear him laughing. Here. And then after the words, I'm standing there and he comes around from from my left or, and he comes and he's got the giant, this giant grin. Look at on my website. Look at it. He's got this giant grin. And he sticks his hand out and he says, hello, Ross, I'm Dave Letterman. <laughs> and I've never heard him, uh, you know, because a lot of times he can be rather, uh, uh, you know, thanks a lot. Glad you're here. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. Going through the motions. And, maybe. Uh, and the, uh, the, the applause sort of built. And he said that was terrific. And then he said, wow, you know, Look and then that. it was over. And then I'm home that night hmm. on my website. First thing I do, first thing I put in, Wow giant letters you know across the top of my website oh yeah with david letterman underneath it and that's uh, that's what i've been doing for the past two years just trying to to milk that <laughs> that's great now that was a real that was a gigantic goal for you right for you for years and years well it was something that i'd given up on i've been trying to get on for 30 years you know i've been trying to get on since like 1982 or 1983 and i've been just shut down by wow. everybody, every talk show, everything. Talk about wow. Talking about the Tonight Show and stuff like that. Never, never, you know. Johnny Carson's guy said, uh, when he saw me, he says, I didn't see anything I thought was funny. And I definitely didn't see anything that Johnny would think was funny. Wow. You know, just, just really, just, you know. And then he went off in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a bourbon smelling, you know, haze. <laughs> um, and uh, so I'd given up the idea and I'd been t- I was told by the booker of uh, Letterman. That I wasn't right for the show like 10, 12 years ago. I mean, a friend of mine became the booker. Yeah. He said, you're not right for the show. because I hate to tell my friends this, but I just didn't need to do it. Is that Eddie? Yeah. yeah. And so for like 10, 12 years, you know, that was a, a door that was just, you know, wasn't going to happen. And the only reason I got on the show is because Eddie got fired. That's the only reason I got on the show. Right. And they brought in new bookers who came out and saw most of the comics in the city. And I got asked to be put on a show. They asked me to put, um, uh, somebody wanted to put me on a showcase. I almost said no because I didn't want to be disappointed again. But I did it. And the bookers were all young. They're all like 25, 26, 27. They saw me and I was the guy they wanted. Look at that. And, uh, you know, so I, it's, it, it, I wasn't expecting it. And then it was like nine months of just 
real just sitting on the edge of my seat between when they saw me and when I did it. Okay. <laughs> That's great, man. I love that. Wow. I took a cruise. They called me up. They go, we want you to do it like in, in this coming Wednesday. You can do it this Wednesday or you can do it in two weeks. And I said, uh, well, I said, I got a cruise this week. So I would have to cancel. So why don't I do it the, the next time? Okay. And they go, fine. So I book it two weeks later. And then for the next three weeks, I'm on the cruise and I'm going, my God, if Letterman fucking die. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, for the rest of my right. life, it's like I, I didn't be so I could do a cruise. I didn't go on Letterman so I could do a cruise. A cruise yeah, right. you were working or just? A cruise I was working. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and, um, uh, and, and, the, and, um, but it, I just knew that if I if I canceled it to do it, it would be it would be psychologically it'd be too anxious. You know, it's like having a girl know how much you like her. You know, sure. before you go out, it just did, I just had to like I had to play it cool, and that's what I did. I'm glad I did. Wow, <laughs> that's great. wow, that's great. That, that's you know, it's funny. It's the, it's kind of the big boy version of what happens in the comedy business all the time. Like for whatever reason, the booker that books the club in Des Moines doesn't like you, and then eventually he's gone, and there's a different person, and then you yeah. call that guy. You know that that it's cool to hear that it happens at the highest levels too. You yeah, know? right, for sure. Right, for sure. So much of it's subjective about what good is. It's not even that they don't like you. It's just that you, it's right. just that they don't. A lot of times they don't get it. Yeah, it's you know a, they don't get you. They you know they they they, they have a vision that yeah. you're not a part of. They, they don't. They, you know, Comedy Central. Right. We don't all like the same bands or the same entrees or the same. You know, it's, it's such a squishy thing right. what quality is. So it's basically I heard at the comedy store in Los Angeles, there's basically no one over forty. Really? That's what I. That's what I've heard. Is mm. that you know? So all my friends, you know, that you know, I'm, and I, I left Los Angeles because I didn't want to be right an old cop because I knew there was nothing worse in Los Angeles right. than being old and having <laughs> either having your career have gone and then disappeared. You know, like being Jerry Mathers. That's yeah. got to be a fucking tough day. At, <laughs> I did. Beef. Yeah. I, I still have a very clear image of standing next to Mitzi Shore after I had just come off doing my little audition piece and she's got a list of like the 15 comics in the audition and earthquake's name is circled and the other names she crosses out with a black magic marker and i just see her like scribbling out <laughs> took a lot of ink to black yeah. out that at name. least she had to earn it yeah yeah <laughs> I have, she's, you know, I, I was there for like five years and she actually, I, I got married on the main room stage. Really? Uh, we had about 300 people there and, uh, 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 Kennison was supposed to do the marriage, but he was, he, he was high and didn't show up for the rehearsal. So somebody else had to do it. What? But, um, it just drops that in. Yeah, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. And, um, but when I auditioned for Mitzi, I literally got, it wasn't a standing ovation, but it was as big an ovation as you could imagine. It was, it was Wayne Newton. They were waiting for me to come back. It was a massive, this is a massive re response. And the, the guy who was running the showcase said, you got to go over and talk to Mitzi. If you're going to talk to Mitzi, now's the time to talk to Mitzi. Yeah. Right. You know, so I literally go over there literally still applauding they're still cheering i just i mean i was 23 and i could back then i was just you know could just fucking kill just kill and um <laughs> she i leaned down and she says don't let any of this fool you you're not funny wow what <laughs> wow what is the matter with people wow <laughs> and i now believe uh, that that was thing. the moment when my uh, uh drinking turned from uh, just being a heavy drinker into being an alcoholic. That's what I, I believe that that was the... But if it hadn't been her, it would have been somebody else. You know, because somebody like Jerry <laughs> Seinfeld, you tell that to Jerry Seinfeld, he's just going to say, well, this person's an asshole. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? I'll yeah. prove you she wrong. Said, she said to Dennis Miller, the story was she said to Dennis Miller, uh, um, you should wear a sweater. <laughs> Dennis Miller. Hmm. Yeah, you know, you should, she told David Strassman, the ventriloquist, we don't use, we, we don't have prop acts, okay? And then he gets off stage, and he's out front, and he's like, I can't work here. And he goes, he goes while I'm there, he goes, uh, I see Gary Mule Deer backing his truck up, unloading yeah. truckloads, big garbage cans full of props. props. <laughs> <laughs> right. What happened to Strassman? 
He's, he's got to be around someplace. Yeah. But there was a time when there were two ventriloquists, like the big name guys, and now there's one. Did Strassman move to Australia or something? I don't. I know that was amazing Jonathan. No, Jonathan. I thought Jonathan went to Vegas. Yeah. I don't know what happens. Yeah, he's, he's in Vegas. David Strassman's whole thing was uh, he put all this electronic stuff, $100,000 electronic stuff into his, into his dummy. So he'd do his act, and he'd talk about his, his, his dummies and craziness and, and psychotic uh, things and all this. And he would leave the dummy on stage. He'd walk off stage, right. and then the dummy's head would move, and the eyes would open up, and the women in the audience would just scream. Right. Just scream. That's great. Now, so wait, wait. Tell the rest of the story. I, you got married on the stage where she was like. Well, I eventually so you, passed. You I mean, within like three, four, five months, I passed. Yeah, okay. okay. And I was a comedy store guy. And uh, eventually my wife and I wanted to get married, and uh, that's what we worked out. Was so. she a comic as well? She, she worked in a, Mitzi at that time had um, uh, sketch groups. So a lot of the comics were in, my wife was in a, she was in a sketch group with uh, Carla Bove and, uh, oh. uh, and Sam. And, uh, and then we had our, re- across the street where the uh, House of Blues is, yeah. uh, at that time it was just a house that she owned. And that's where we had our, uh, our, our uh, what do you call it? Reception, <laughs> consummation. <laughs> we consummate. We, well, we'd already we'd consummated for a while, but we had our honeymoon we next. The eighties, man. We, we consummated our, real nice. We had our honeymoon next door at the Continental Hyatt House. Is where oh, we. Wow, were. that's cool. Nice. And I love how you've been sliding in the uh, name drops. I'm a huge fan of name dropping, like the Sam <laughs> Kinison. That was that was fantastic. <laughs> it's not. Well, and that's it's not name dropping, if you know. These are people you, that, that no, you just I know. knew them. No, no, right, right, right. But I mean, how else? I don't, I don't, uh, but I know people find that to be uh, fascinating. Oh, I love that stuff. Yeah. You know? Oh, I'm one of them. I, I love that stuff. <laughs> I, in fact, I, uh, I, I printed something out from your uh, bio on your website that says that you opened. He's uh, open for Lucy Arnaz, Hal Linden. I've done the, uh, I've done the, com- the, the circuit, the condo circuit down in South Florida. So you get acts who are in their 60s or 70s, and they'll go and do like a tour of 8, 10, 15 condos. Right. And I, I opened for Melissa Manchester once, and I opened for Lucy Arnaz. And what was she doing? She, she, well, she's, Lucy Arnaz is a triple threat. I mean, she can sing, she can dance, she's an actress. And she, was, you know, she, did a lot, she, she did a, had a hit Broadway show, very talented, and she has a nightclub act. It was a classy old style nightclub act and and she talked about her parents a li- just enough you know to re- you know the people wanted to hear about it and uh, huh. uh it was she was she's a very was a very good act very good act wow and hal linden he, he sang hal linden was a song and dance man before barney miller he was a, a broadway song, song and yeah. dance. so he's still got a uh, a song and dance act you know sort of a song and and, and you know lean up against a stool act but you know it's <laughs> 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 they test marketed that title and uh, didn't go as well. Yeah, there's like that. Uh, I think I don't. It's probably already been canceled. There was a show recently with uh, Barry Williams, the guy that played Greg Brady, following him around Branson, and that uh, he does a one man show in Branson, and it's has completely failed. And the show is about how no one's showing up to his oh wow performances and him trying to gather people to come watch mm. it. Show business Nothing is Nothing so worse weird. Than, a, than a show going down. Life is weird. How old was Lucy at that time? Uh, uh, she's probably 57, 58. I think she's two or three years older than I am. Okay. I think she's more like 52 or something like that. So she's probably 63 now. Wow. Yeah, I love that you're throwing in questions. I love your curiosity. As much <laughs> as I have right now, this is great. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Is that inappropriate? Not at all. No, I, no. You, I, I was going to encourage it if you weren't, so I'm glad that you are. Riding up with Tim Slagle yesterday, we're talking about movies. And, He's here. And Be careful what about, you say. We're talking about really... <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're talking about really horrible movies uh-huh. uh, or shocking movies and he brings up the jazz singer which is with the one movie that Lucy Arnaz uh, co-starred in with Neil Diamond and uh, he was talking about the two creepiest scenes in the world uh, in the jazz singer one was when she unbuttoned his shirt and she ran her fingers through his back hair <laughs> and the other oh, no the other, and I thought Tim was 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 making was was joking with me, was Neil Diamond singing in blackface. 
because you think of the jazz singer uh, Al Jolson that he sang him, and you would think you wouldn't think there's no way, Neil. But they figured out a way to put blackface into the jazz singer in 1980. Huh. Oh, and I and now that's that just it just sounds so horrific. I've got to see it. I kind of have the same. Huh? Yeah, right. I have the same feeling. It makes me want to see it. Uh huh. Neil Diamond was in uh, St. Paul just last month, and I, I he has dropped any blackface. <laughs> I, I didn't go, but I know they would have made... That's probably best. I know they well, there, there was a there was a plot reason for it. Right, right, right. There was a plot reason. <laughs> right. It just wasn't just, you know... He didn't just show up that day? He just didn't, yeah. this, this in. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I want to, uh, before we uh, before we wrap it up here, I want to... There's a... Uh, this is kind of a, a topical uh, news story here that happened in uh, Minnesota just yesterday. I don't know if you guys saw this one, but I want you. I'm just going to start reading it here. Um, the state patrol got some complaints the other day about a car swerving on uh, 35E. And uh, some, it was happening in the morning. A good Samaritan started, started following this car because they were swerving, was worried. Like, you know, they called the police, kept following. Like, where is this thing going? I'm going to make sure. Uh, when the cops finally pulled up, when the state trooper pulled up next to the car... There was a nine-year-old driving. <laughs> Nine-year-olds that had stolen the car from their foster home or whatever it was, and uh, was driving with two, with a five and three-year-old in the oh, back seat. Oh, he had seat. passengers. Yes. Wow. Yes. Drove ten miles. That's even more bizarre. Forty miles an hour on a uh, on Highway thirty on thirty-six, which is like a 50, 55, so a little under the speed limit. Nine. Are you even able to reach the? Can you see and I, hit the gas? I, I don't. A tall kid. Didn't you see uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom? That's true. Short round. Short round, and he had blocks of wood uh, tied to to his feet, so he could so he could reach everything. (laughs) And he took he took he took him all through all through wherever that's true. Doctor Jones, Doctor (laughs) Jones. So I wanted to ask you two. How old were you uh, the first time you stole a car, Ross? I've never stolen a car. You've never stolen a car. I haven't lived. Still yeah, time lived. yet. Kostaki, first time you stole a car? Never stole a car. I never. Your age wasn't in single digits? <laughs> no, no. I was such a little nerdy, nice kid. I was on the chess team. It would never occur to me to steal a car. You know how some parents, <laughs> uh, some fathers would like, uh, uh, like they would let you... <laughs> When they got to the uh, to your parking lot, they would let you like you, know, you get in. They, they yeah. would like put you in your lap, and they'd let you you know drive up to yeah. you know like the last six feet or something sure. like that. That never happened for sure. me. <laughs> never had. No. You know, I never could have done it because my parents always had a stick shift, and I never learned how. Yeah. So that would have been a terrifying. Huge I did have a moment as a kid uh, sitting in my uncle's lap. He lived way out in the country in Missouri, and I was driving the you know the car a little bit and then actually we had an issue because it was a dirt road another car came around and we had to swerve and uh, we had to be pulled out of the ditch by the other car oh no happened to be a jeep yeah so we had like an incident during my driving (laughs) who do you say you were with an uncle yeah my uncle my uncle richard they uh, didn't leave you with in your uncle's care after that did they (laughs) i'm just i love my uncle richard he's great i'm impressed that the kid was doing his best to, you know, be an appropriate driver. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, my son, when my son was like 11 or 12, we played golf, and he, he, and he wanted to drive the golf cart. And, you know, it was a very big, you know, it's got to go, you can't only go this fast, and you got to blah, blah. And I'm telling you, the second he gets a hold of it, all he does is go as fast as he can right. and looks for ditches and anything that could possibly, you know, be a, be a, 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 a ramp. Anything could possibly be a ramp, <laughs> right, right? You know, right. so this this kid was being uh, appropriate. <laughs> yeah, it sounded like that, that's that's true. I don't. I'm. There's no uh, word in here if he was signaled when he got off to, when he went from 36 to Highway 35. I'm curious about that. <laughs> if he signaled, <laughs> checked his blind spot. Does he have any? Oddly idea enough, where he's going? Uh, so he funny. he actually used an old school hand signal. <laughs> what are the chances of that? The kid was just you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god if it g- <laughs> no other drivers would even know what that means i think at this point i mean no. that's definitely a lost a lost thing. i think i think he's doing a nazi salute out the window no <laughs> the no gang sign? he's making a right he's making he's a doing, right what was his, what was the excuse well i was trying to take these kids to school 
<laughs> like, does he have a purpose? What, he packed up the other children? Mm-mm, mm-mm. Just said uh, yeah, eight-year-olds behind the wheel with a five-year-old girl and a three-year-old boy, all from the same foster family in St. Paul. Well, there is the whole thing right there. He's making a statement about the Yeah, apparently things at the foster home are not what one would like them to be. <laughs> we got to get the fuck out of here. This kid, he wants, he wants to go back to his parents, you know. That's what it's all about. The he vehicle wants, was a Buick Roadster. He wants to go. He wants. He want. He wants to take his kid, his brothers and sister, back to, to, to his parents. No, that could be. You know, that could be. That could be. Then it's just. It just takes a while to find the right corner where they're buying crack. <laughs> Foster care is just so sad. Is there another old timey story we can pull out of you here before we wrap things up? Is there Come one on, we're missing? Oh, I know. Let's. Uh, right before we started recording, you said you're like, oh no. You used to perform under a different name? Twice. Twice. I, uh, I, I Eddie Strange, uh, twice, once in my career, it seemed like a good idea. Okay. And I changed to that for about three, four years. And What year? Um, what era? Give me an idea here. 85 to about 89. Okay. And then um, I went back to Ross Bennett. And then about three years later, uh, I went back to Eddie Strange again. For almost eight years. And then when I moved to New York in uh, 2000 uh, to sort of restart my career again, I went back to Ross Bennett, and I'm committed to Ross Bennett since then. Huh. Just a lot of insecurity, you know. You just, hey, Carrot Top, $100 million. It's true. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if if Carrot Top had not been successful, who's that? Idiot with that fucking name. <laughs> you know, that's who, you know, that's, 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 and, and that's, which is what I became. Oh, no. <laughs> that's what I became, you know. I mean, nobody, you know, it, it's, I mean, I just knew that if I ever went on like Howard Stern, I would just be mocked. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, uh, right. Endlessly. Yeah. Or on, on, on Letterman or whatever. So I just, I just, yeah. Bob Zaney will occasionally bust my balls and tell me to change my name. I'm like, you changed your name to Bob Zaney. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not getting, you're, you have no leg to stand yeah. on here. Uh-huh. I, you know, it's, it's interesting because I had a, I had a friend when I was an open micer who was Jody Milks and she went on stage as JC Milks. Just, she never used JC anywhere else. But she just wanted a little bit of distance if the crowd hated her. Like, well, they hate JC. They don't hate me. Like, okay. I, I, totally, I totally get that. Yeah. And the old school guys, you know, some of their names were weird, and they just wanted to be an accessible name. Like, yeah. I, I get that. Yeah. Woody Allen's not his real name, no. right? No. It's a kind Konig, Konig, Konigberg. Yeah. Konigberg. No, so, yeah. I, you know, fine. Whatever. We're all Did Haywood? To... I think it's Haywood. Yeah, Haywood Banks. No, Haywood Koenigberg. I think Haywood Banks is a made-up name. No, really. His name's Stewart. Really? Yeah. <laughs> did you? Uh, yeah. Did you have? Did you notice? And <laughs> when you went as was it Eddie Strange? Was there any uptick in? I well, mean, yeah. Was it, there positives? It, the first time it was really, really good. Uh, I had some sad things going on in my life, and I wanted something to kind of like separate myself from that. Okay. And um, and I was able to like from that moment, I just was just very high energy. I, I was like I was working almost screaming from beginning to end and just a lot of facial machinations. What? It was just very I gotta see a this. very intense kind of a thing. I can't even and, imagine um, that. Is that on YouTube? I'm looking that up. It might be someplace. I don't know. You gotta send me a clip um, of that. But then I uh, uh, and then it just sort of disappeared. I started to get, you know, depressed, have mental illness problems, and it just sort of disappeared. It's like, if I'm, you know, I might as well go back to my own name if I'm not gonna be doing this thing that sure. I was doing. Sure, sure. Yeah. Wow. It's fascinating, <laughs> isn't it? I'm glad I was you working asked with that. George Lopez <laughs> in uh, Jorge uh, in in Hawaii mm-hmm. uh, about 1988-89, and, and my second marriage is just collapsing, and I'm I'm doing Eddie Strange, but I'm like depressed on stage, and the and the club, and 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 I got to follow Lopez because he's middling at that time, and he's just destroying this guy. You know, he's just <laughs> just fucking gutting gutting the room and then I got to go up and I have no confidence and I remember the owners of the club pulling me in the back room afterwards this is not the act we paid for <laughs> and you know and it's like I'm sorry this, this is the act you got yeah and they weren't happy it was being booked by the ice house in uh in Los Angeles yeah, and because lane. it was Hawaii we were only getting $600 plus air 
Right. You know, I wanted to say, you know, Sig says it's not the act we're paying for. I said, well, you're not paying that much. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and George uh, Lopez almost died. We went out swimming in one of those, uh, uh, you know, got, what do you call it, uh, flippers and a mask and everything. We went out swimming in Snorkeling. one of these, these bait. And, you know, George can't really swim. <laughs> And we're trying to come back in. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think I saved his life. Nice. Wow. You didn't give him an organ or anything. No, I didn't give him <laughs> an organ. Although the guy could have fucking used one. <laughs> didn't he end up needing, like, various... He got one from the woman that he left. Oh, that's right. That's yes. right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing the organ was before the leaving. Yeah. Uh-huh. A... Yeah. yeah. It, 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 uh-huh. It, Talk about legal fees for uh, 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 for custody. Yeah. For custody. <laughs> Who's going to get custody of the kidney? Why don't organ. you go fuck yourself? <laughs> you can't cut that in half. <laughs> All right, I've taken up enough of your guys' time. I think. Uh, are you selling anything at the shows, guys? Are you going to? I didn't bring CDs this time. You it didn't. Felt, it felt weird to because flounder the... around for twenty minutes and then go, "Hey, you want to hear me killing?" <laughs> 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 It just seemed like a weird thing to do. You can say this is the polished stuff. You uh-huh. can get them online. They're yeah. all they're all there. Yeah. <laughs> I brought nothing. You brought nothing. Just your new material. Just your the new material you're working just on. Just our day. hopes and dreams. <laughs> this has been. I, I I love it. I love it. I thank you so much for uh, coming down here. And Thanks for inviting us, Ross and Kostaki. As always, great to see you, buddy. Oh, buddy, this is fantastic. So. Cheers, man. Thank you, and uh, good luck this week. Thanks. Awesome.